You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Good morning, Discovering Discos. This week, we discover how an Italian airport is taking airport wine to a whole new level, how McDonald's has spent the past seven years overhauling its signature offering, and the controversy surrounding Beyonce's newest country songs. Welcome to Discover Ag, where food meets pop culture. We're your hosts, Natalie Antara, millennial cattle rancher and dairy farmer. And every Thursday, we go beyond the headlines to discover what's new in the world of food. We are coming to you today back at our home states of New Mexico and Nebraska post-World Ag Expo. I love to travel. I love to experience places, go places. But I tell you, there is nothing like coming home. Can't beat it. I did have so much fun with you, though. Um, in case you missed it, I did drag Natalie kicking and screaming through the dairy barn at World Ag Expo. And Natalie got her... Maybe not your first taste, but I feel like it was a big taste of what we like to call Dutch bingo, where it is, I introduce myself, <laughs> hi, my name is Tara Vanderdusen, and then the person in the dairy barn center says, are you related to so-and-so, 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 and then we start playing this game of Dutch bingo of who you're related to. You know, the world of farming and ranching is small, but I tell you what, the world of dairy is minuscule. <laughs> everyone knows everyone. How many... Cattle ranches are there across the country? Have you told me this? I know you have. How many are there? It's like a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot. I mean, just in kind of the beginning phase is over, you know, 700,000. So you start adding in, you know, the other phases of the beef supply chain and you're it, it's much larger than dairy. Yeah, to put it in perspective, dairy, there's only like 30,000 dairy farms across the country. So a lot more beef cattle. So like that I mean, if you think about 30,000, like that's like a small town, right? Like that's like not a very large city. And that's the entire dairy community. So yeah, we literally like know everyone. And if you're Dutch dairy, you're related to everyone. So um, it was a lot of fun, though, bringing you along for that. It was fun. I felt by the end of it, I was like the proxy cousin. (laughs) I was also inducted into the dairy family by the end of it all. You did get asked like multiple times, like, are you related to the so-and-so? And And you were like, no, I'm not. I'm not involved in this situation. (laughs) But then I feel like by the end, you kind of were like, okay, fine. I guess I'm related to somebody. (laughs) All right. To get into the articles today, we're going to start by thanking our sponsor, Case IH. Case IH has solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH is built by farmers. Are you guys diving into the first article to discover this week? Headline, this Italian airport will soon have a 19-acre working vineyard on its roof. It's taking airport wine to a whole new level. So this article was out of food and wine. No surprises there. We love food and wine. And it featured an airport in Florence, Italy. So we're going across seas today, you guys, that is about to undergo a massive multi-year makeover that, among many things, will include a new working vineyard on its roof. I feel like if there was an airport that was perfect for this, it was Florence. Like if I had to name an airport that I was like, uh, there should be a vineyard. Like I feel like that's what I would say. Like it feels like when you get off the airplane in Cabo and there's like a margarita stand outside. Like Florence <laughs> needs to just have a vineyard. Like it just is perfect. So you're on board for this idea. I'm totally on board. I know it was kind of like mixed reviews on this. Some people were not on board about it. Yeah, I don't know what I was envisioning or how I thought this would work, I guess feasibly. But when I read the initial headline and saw it, I kind of had the initial reaction you did. Like, I'm all on board for this. This makes sense. I love this. And then I kind of read through and it was talking about how the vineyard will include 38 rows of grapevines planted in concrete pots. 
And I was just a little disappointed. Like I wanted a vineyard, you know, and not concrete pot. Yeah, I wanted agriculture and it was giving like architect museum vibes. And I think that's where it lost me. Where I was like, okay, maybe this isn't as picturesque as I want it to be. It's definitely like an architectural feature. Like they said, this is one area they're releasing what the designs will look like, but there's going to be a lot of other ones. There's going to be like a courtyard where even if you're not going to the airport, you can come and hang out. That felt weird to me. Like I'm like, out of all the things you want to see in Florence, you want to go to the courtyard at the airport and hang out and have a glass of wine. Like I think I'd rather have a glass of wine in front of like the sculpture of David or something like I just I don't know so I agree I think a lot of people are wondering like what is the point there also was conversation about like what would be the effects of jet fumes and fuel dumps on the harvesting of grapes and then like the practicality of it like there's enough going on in an airport without a full like agricultural crew coming in and harvesting grapes and so those were kind of some of the you know like naysayers Yeah, I thought it was funny. One of the articles called it a, quote, an experience the Italian equivalent of an Aunt Anne's pretzel, like when they were talking about making it like a sightseeing or like open to the public. (laughs) And I got a good chuckle out of that. But I mean, info is kind of scarce on this. You know, according to the lead architects on the project, which I just want to say the name so I can sound French and pretend or sound Italian and pretend that I'm in Italy, Raffaele Vinoli Architects. Um, he sounds like an architect. A leaning thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say your Italian or Italian was good. And I was like, oh, thank you. No, it was good too, but <laughs> that was not what I was going to say. So some of the details that are available is the lead architect said, a leading winemaker from the region will be tasked with planting and tending to the vineyard. And then that they're going to age it in cellars located underneath the terminal. And beyond that, it's kind of like you were saying, there's just kind of a lot of opinions about like what this is actually going to look like. And there was even talk about the the timeline, which it's, it's pretty far out. So I, I feel like a lot of the conversation is just noise right now. But I did think it was interesting because they were taking, talking about how the wine will be labeled quote produced at the airport And I just wondered how hard they'll kind of lean into that idea. On one hand, I feel like to me, Italy and Europe feels very like sophisticated. And I mean, you already talked about like all the things you can see in Florence. Um, It just has like some very amazing historical landmarks. And so on one hand, I'm like, I don't know if this like airport wine theme fits with Florence and Italy and, and Europe in general. But on the other hand, I'm like, maybe they'll lean into it. Maybe it'll have like a, you know, an airport label, you know, or a airplane on the bottle. Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they can make this like a sophisticated Italian feeling or if it will come across like that kind of Aunt Annie's pretzel. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned kind of like the sites. We've both talked about that now, but that is actually one of the goals too, is to kind of hide the airport. And so apparently you can see the roof of the airport from some of the higher like structures and landmarks in Florence. And so by putting the vineyard on top of it, you would be like kind of masking the look of it so it wouldn't like detract from like you know the breathtaking views and like the history and all of that and I actually did kind of love that like I feel like whenever I'm in a city and we're in a high rise and I see like urban gardens and things on top of the roofs like I'm like that it just feels like nicer greener like it it's beautiful and so I kind of loved that piece of this like let's let's do something with the roof of the airport No, I agree. That is actually one of the things that really made sense to me the more I read this article. 
was that idea of camouflaging something that was maybe a little bit of an eyesore or a little bit more of a modern feeling that you have kind of like rooted in among all of these very, very, you know, historical pieces. And so that did make sense to me. You mentioned it's 38 rows of grapevines that are planted and it'll cover 19 acres. So fun little fact, like that's not a small vineyard, actually. Like that is pretty on par with like how big vineyards are. And so I think it could be really something and like be a showpiece, a showcase and and better than just like a roof of an airport because I actually was looking up the average vineyard in California is only 82 acres. So I realized like 19 is less than 82, but it's still a substantial amount of grapes that they're going to be growing and turning into wine. Do you know how many football fields is an acre? I feel like I always have a hard time envisioning acres. I don't know why. I live on a farm and ranch. I should be able to envision this better. A football field is 1.3 acres. So it's okay. So a lot roughly, of football fields. Yeah, 19 football fields. I mean, that's, well, less. that's it's 1.3. So probably like 15 football fields is my guess. Okay, well, technicalities. Now I'm going to look just to see. The math is mathing. 14.6 rounds up to 15. Yeah. Yep. That's a lot of football fields. So, yeah, that's a huge airport. That's a huge airport because they were talking about how small this airport was and how it's not known for a lot. It only has like three restaurants. Like it feels very, that feels like not enough restaurants for how big this airport is. Some things about construction though. You mentioned how long the construction is taking. I wanted to talk about this for a minute because I feel like airport construction is like my demise. With how much we travel, I hate airport construction. So phase one of this project is supposed to be done in 2026, which feels doable. That feels okay. Phase two is not going to be done until 2035. That's a long time from now. And I feel like the other airport that it's bothering me right now is San Diego Airport. San Diego Airport has been under construction for what feels like eternity. feels like it's never going to be done. And I'm just like, and I get, they're like still running airplanes out of all of these airports. So I can't imagine doing construction while doing that. But holy cow, taking 10 years to finish a project feels like eternity. When I think of an airport, I think of panicking and running through it from end to end And it's just hell. Like, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And I feel like there is absolutely no chest pain or side pain you can experience like the chest pain and the side pain of running through an airport trying to catch your flight. Like, it burns like no other. I could be running like a madwoman on the treadmill or or working out crazy and I will never experience the pain I do when I'm running through the airport and I don't understand it. Do you think it's like because you're pulling your luggage? Because actually a few times I ran through the airport when we were doing 75 medium and I counted as my workout. Like I ran a full 20 minutes and I was like, (laughs) listen, this is it. I did it. I did the workout for today. And I feel like it's like you're pulling, you have the backpack on or a bag and you're like hauling the suitcase. And it is just like, it is, I feel like it feels like one of those tire pool workouts, right? Where you have to like pull the tire across the concrete. That is what running (laughs) through the airport feels like. Anyone who's ever done a tire pull is like, no, it's not. Not (laughs) what a tire pull feels like. Not the same, ladies. I do want to give myself a little pat on the back, though, because we were traveling this past weekend together and we got to the airport. What an hour we agreed on an hour and a half, which was kind of in between for us. So you you gave a little. I gave a little. We did. We came in the middle and the line was massive. You had a moment of panic. 
No, no, I did not. I did not have a moment of panic. I held it together fully. And I, I wish like, I had a picture of her face when I came into the line. No, I said I, <laughs> I was calm, cool and collected. I didn't say anything. I just got in the line and thought, you know what? If this is the line we wait in and we miss our airplane, I guess we miss our airplane. And you did not even address how calm and cool, like cool hand Luca was. <laughs> And we made it with like 45 minutes to spare. So we could have even been lighter, yeah. but I'm not, I didn't, I didn't say that to you either. You didn't address the fact that I was like, Natalie, look how much time we sat here. So it goes both ways. <laughs> okay. Back to the article. I have to know, have you been to Florence? No, I have not. I've been to other areas of Italy. We actually honeymooned in Italy and I, I think of it often. Like when I, when I am in the depths and despairs of some of my days going back to our honeymoon puts me in a good mood again. Um, but I do, I would love to go to Tuscany. I'd love to go. There's a, there's a handful of different places in Italy that are on my bucket list that I would like to go to. Yeah. I went with my sister when my sister graduated high school, there was like one summer where she was out of high school and I did not have children yet because we're six years apart. So there's like a pretty big gap. And we did a tour all through Europe. Um, like one of those ones where you like ride a bus, like very classic. Um, but it worked out well being how like young she was and just us being on our own. Um, but we did Florence was one of the stops, but it was so quick. I mean, that's how those trips always are. But I'm glad we got to see it. But I want to go back and be like its own individual thing, like spend, you know, at least like three days in Florence and then like move on. I feel like I've I've done Rome. I've done like Southern Italy as like, I mean, yes, I'd love to go back. But like, listen, there's only so many days in the year. Um, so I feel like now I want to spend my time more like in Florence and that area. Discover Ag takes Europe. Discover Act takes Italy. Oh, my gosh. We need to discover wine. We need yeah. – <laughs> hey, Florence Airport. Discover Ag would love to cover this. Like when you have your – I don't know what a way to be like well, – what's that called? Um, grand opening. Yeah. We would love to cover it for you. Mm -hmm. Happy to do that. Put in the time there. Bring it to the discos. All right, you guys. Diving into the second article to discover this week. Headline, no more dry burgers. In the heated competition for hamburger dominance, McDonald's has spent the past seven years overhauling its signature offering. So this was out of the Wall Street Journal. And it was a pretty lengthy article, I'm not going to lie, that detailed changes McDonald's is making specific to their Big Mac. But in addition to kind of some of those granular details, I would also say it covered a little history of McDonald's from a business standpoint. But I'd also say from almost like a decision standpoint and how certain decisions affected McDonald's, which I thought was really interesting. So even though it was longer and kind of went off on some side tangents, I still enjoyed reading it. It felt like a really long article for something about the Big Mac. And I say that as like, obviously a stand of McDonald's. <laughs> I picked this article. I actually put two McDonald's articles in the Trello board this week. And Natalie was like, pick your favorite, Tara. I have to limit your McDonald's articles. I feel like I'm like Tara. Not again. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm really bummed that we are recording before 1030 New Mexico time because if we were recording any second after 1030, I would absolutely be munching on a Big Mac and a large fry and a Diet Coke right now from McDonald's. And I am just can't tell you how much it pains me the fact I have to do this article without my McDonald's Diet Coke. You're not going to be surprised by this, but I've actually never even had McDonald's breakfast. Do you know how good the Sasha's <laughs> burrito is? Clearly, you don't. You are unaware. 
So going back to the article, the change was brought up by, I would say, pressure. There, They were talking about how there was ranking of burger chains. They pulled almost 50,000 customers. And McDonald's, I mean, they, they clearly didn't pull Tara because McDonald's came in 13th among U.S. chains. You know what, though? Uh, white- I love their burgers, and I would have put them there. Like, there is better burgers. And that's something they talked about, actually, is we are having a lot of higher-end, like, fast, casual burger joints, like the Five Guys, the Smash Burger, the Shake Shack. And so there's a lot of competition out there in, like, the fast food burger chain. Yeah, I feel like everyone is trying to redo their burgers. I even saw that Red Robin was do, like working with influencers and rolling out a campaign for their burger. And I, they're doing a whole thing. Would not have taken that from a Red Robin. So McDonald's is doing more than 50 tweaks on the burger is what it adds up to. But the biggest ones, like the big changes are they are cooking less patties at a time. They are doing more special sauce. They are doing their lettuce, cheese, and pickles different so that they're fresher and meltier is actually melty. I didn't know meltier was a word, but it is. And the bun is now different where it feels more homemade. Those are, that's probably the noticeable changes. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they listed all of them out and they went even more specific into that. Like there was part of the article that talked about how like they're doing six burgers instead of eight. Like they're really getting into details. Like when it came to the bun, they were talking about how they're going to scatter the buttery brioche with sesame seeds to make it more um, like of a homemade look. Um, and so they went into these like very specific details they're, they're rolling out. And it made me wonder, like, do you think it matters? Like, does it matter where the sesame seeds are placed? Are those the details that do matter? You know, is that going to what takes McDonald's from 13th to 1st? Or is this like a big giant waste? That's a really good question. I could see the cooking less burgers on the grill. Like they said, they were just more uniform. They were better cooked. Like it was less for the cook to manage at one time. So I was like, that does make sense. The sprinkling of the sesame seeds feels aggressive, but you said they've been working on this for seven years. So I mean, what was someone doing for seven years, right? Like they had to come up with new things to change. So apparently the sesame seeds were that. So one of the reasons I wanted to cover this is because I feel like McDonald's is doing such crazy stuff with their marketing right now. I am not kidding when I say every mainstream women's pop culture, like millennial pop culture podcast I'm listening to right now has an ad for McDonald's. And it's insane to me. Like it is not where you would think to see McDonald's ads. And they're doing the whole run where they do um, collabs with celebrities. There is like the the second article I dropped in there was like adult, um, what are they called? Like kids meals, like happy meals, but for adults that are like partnered with a celebrity or a TikTok or all sorts of different things and like specialty sauces. And it's just crazy. Like I feel like McDonald's is out here like doing the most. And what's even crazier is it's showing in their sales. Like their sales, they are crushing it. Yeah, even with this specific rollout with the Big Mac, they're going all in on the media campaign as well. They're running a ton ton of billboards, which you guys may see depending where you're tuning in at, but they're trumpeting signs that say like our best burgers ever. They're bringing back the Hamburglar. Hamburglar. <laughs> That's a hard word. Hamburglar. <laughs> Hamburglar. I don't know how to say it. I wasn't even going to try. And I was going to say, I mean, you said it's kind of crazy to see McDonald's in all these places where McDonald's isn't. But I'm really not surprised. Like in this day and age of marketing and campaigning and social media, I mean, I have talked about this with you so many different times now that it is shocking to me where we're seeing presidential campaign like candidates crazy. up and crazy, where like, crazy. they're on podcasts, they're working with influencers. We saw one on the Super Bowl. Like I am just uh, if we can have that from a presidential campaigns, it it doesn't leave me 
wondering at all where we would see like a brand like McDonald's show up in social media. So I had some fun facts about uh, burgers in the United States. So actually the history of hamburgers, you were saying how hard it was to say the hamburger or whatever. So I've always wondered where we got the word hamburger and it's from Hamburg, Germany. That mm-hmm. was like apparently where the start of the burger was. And then immigrants brought it to the United States and the United States, like as we know, took off with it. It is said that 68% of Americans eat a burger at a fast food restaurant at least once a month and that 40% of all fast food sales are cheeseburgers or burgers in general. That blows my mind. There is nothing better. When we're at home and we don't know what to make, hamburger. We just have hamburgers for dinner. Like That's our go-to meal. The other thing that I think is really interesting about the hamburger's history is that Once it got to the U.S., there are multiple states and cities that are to this day still vying for the birthplace or like the the original credit in the United States. Connecticut, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Texas, they all claim to be like one of the first cities to have the hamburgers in the states. And I don't think it is um, will ever be cleared up. Yeah, I saw a Kansas chef in 1916 started smashing the burgers into rect- or sorry, circular patties and then cooking them with onions on a grill. And then ultimately they created the first hamburger chain, which was White Castle in 1921. So shout out to White Castle. We don't have those here. Do they do you have them in Nebraska? No, I feel like it's I don't know where well, it's in Kansas, but <laughs> I you think we'd have them, but I remember that movie that came out when we were in college, maybe that was about White Castle, wasn't it? Never heard of her. Yes, come on. It's like two college kids and they go to White Castle movie. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, I've never watched that one. It wasn't college. It was high school. It's 2004. But anyway, that was literally the first time I'd ever even heard of White Castle. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know White Castle's existed. People are stands for White Castle, though. Like, it's high on the list. I was going to say I would have got that trivia question wrong, though, because I I don't know. I thought McDonald's was the first hamburger mcdonald's started theirs in san bernardino california in 1948 it was two brothers and they started selling their burgers for 15 cents and it was like the original fast service restaurant the entire like concept was a hit and obviously ended up being franchised uh they did shrink the burgers down to be more affordable and then they served them exactly the same like you could not change the order it was almost kind of like an in and out model like this is what you get this is the only thing you can get like you can have it in any color as long as it's black you can have anything you want as long as it's cheeseburger was mcdonald's attitude but have you ever speaking of netflix shows have you ever watched the mcdonald's movie on netflix called the founder (gasps) no oh my gosh i know what i'm doing this afternoon it's fascinating because it started with these two brothers, the McDonald's brothers, and then they brought in another, like a third party, and he was the first one to franchise it. And he literally took over the entire McDonald's, franchised it into what it like is today. And it's very controversial, like what he did and how he did it and all of those things, but it's called The Founder and highly recommended. I haven't watched it in years, but it was, I remember being like, whoa, that was good. I think it's so fascinating that one person can come in and almost change the history of a company. I often and think about Stanley and how the one, you know, marketing director, I don't know if that's his exact position, but the the man behind like the rebrand of the Stanley to what it is now from like what it used to be. And it's just so interesting that one person could have such an effect on a company in that manner. Yeah, it really is crazy. So I think the last thing I'll say is uh, McDonald's Test Kitchen. If you are looking for someone to put in seven solid years of trying new <laughs> recipes, like a food tester, it's me. Hi. It's me. I'm happy to do that. So that's that's where I'll leave this article. 
All right, shout out to our favorite skincare and makeup line, Tubes & Co.'s entire skincare and makeup line is 100% natural and uses only organic ingredients like grass-fed tallow, aloe vera, and cold-pressed olive oil. They are committed to never using synthetic chemicals, GMOs, toxins, fillers, artificial covers, colors, or fragrances. Tubes & Co. is a husband-wife team that believes it's not good enough for you until it's good enough for our entire family. They go above and beyond to source organic products made in the United States and support small family-owned farms. I personally love a wide range of their products from their basic beef tallow balm to the blush to their hydrating stick and so much more. And I know Natalie has been using their skincare starter kit with their jojoba glow serum and clear tonic toner. So go to tubesandco.com and use our code discover to save you some money. Again, you can click the link in the show notes and use code discover to save some money. And before we get into our last and final article, I do want to do a disco highlight. Today, we are shouting out Wake Up Now Pal. They left a recent review titled Favorite Podcast. Discover Agus quickly become my favorite podcast. Love the topics they cover and always feel like I learned something new. 100% highly recommend. Thank you so much, Wake Up Now Pal. If you are listening um, and that is you, you recognize your own name, please DM us on Discover Ag Instagram page so we can send you some Discover stickers. And if that is not you and you want stickers of your own, take a second to rate and review us after you listen. It means so much to us. The reviews really do help us grow and get new people discovering. All right, heading into the last and final article to discover headline Beyonce's fans radio request reignites country music debate. So this was in the New York Times, and it is about how a fan asked a small country music station in Oklahoma to play a new Beyonce song. The request was rejected, and that pretty much spurred hundreds of calls and emails about the exclusion of black musicians from the genre. So this is obviously not food related, you guys, but I feel like it is disco coded because anything Western or kind of country definitely fits our theme, our lifestyle. And so we want to cover it for that reason, but also because you guys, it's everywhere. Like it started kind of in this New York Times article, I guess, but there is not a reel on social media right now that is not having a, <laughs> a discussion in the comments about this. It is like, honestly, just in my opinion, like heated, like people have opinions. It's kind of crazy. It is everywhere. Like you said, the New York Times, I literally couldn't stop reading articles. Like it just never stopped. I couldn't stop scrolling. Like even my own story where uh, we created the the reel saying this is what we were covering. My story had four times higher story views. And I'm just like that just it's everywhere. And people have a lot to say about it from the songs to the genre to her outfits to everything. But I will say to me, it feels like a tale as old as times. Like my mom, I remember when I was a kid, was still loves classic rock. When my brother started listening to 90s like heavy metal, my mom was like, that is not country or not. Sorry, that is not rock. Like, I don't like it. Like, and I just feel like this is that all over again. No, I completely agree. I think that's one thing with music is you can get kind of like I don't know, in your music box a little bit. And I think you put artists in music box too, which I, I want to get into because I think that there, there's so many points to discuss. There's so much to cover. But have you heard her songs? Have you listened? Probably because they're on social media. Yeah. I mean, you cannot open up social media without listening. Yeah. She's released two, but one is definitely picking up the steam. It's a little bit catchier. I am not proud of how much that song has been stuck in my head. I feel like I am humming it literally every all day long moment 
all day. day. I cannot stop humming this song. Like, I'm sorry. That woman either. knows how to make a catchy song that gets stuck in your head. Like, it reminds me of Single Ladies, right? Like, when Single Ladies came out, you could not not hum that song. And this feels the same. So back to the article about this Oklahoma station. I heard that whenever they got the very first call requesting it, they didn't realize she had dropped a country song. And it's they actually have a quote saying, we haven't played her on country station because she's not a country artist. Well, now I guess she wants to be and we're all here for it and I don't know if that's true or not I feel like if you have a radio station you must be in touch with what's going on but maybe it was not on their radar and they genuinely didn't know I just think that's worth noting no I absolutely think they are this poor little station I think they were naive this poor station because the manager said that they just play what the bigger stations play so I really truly think they went to bed after the Super Bowl had no idea Beyonce dropped country artists Woke up the next morning, someone put in to play Beyonce. And they said they had they give the same response if someone was to say, like, play, you know, Kiss or Metallica. They'd be like, no, like they're not country. We play country music. Like they don't play anything that isn't standard country. And if they hadn't got the memo from a bigger radio station yet to play it or noticed it, like I imagine some 50-year-old <laughs> Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere man rolling into the station being like, oh no, no Beyonce. And then putting out this email that goes viral on Twitter. It has like, I don't even know how many million hits now. And just being like, what did I do? I had no idea. They have been talking about how they have never experienced anything like this in their career. By that night, they had mixed it three different times and like played it a ton. Like, I definitely think that it is, I think it's being, I know why it's being turned into something more. And I think there is like legitimate reasons for that. But I don't, know if this Oklahoma station is like needs to be the target of this controversy. No. So let's dive into that because all across the board, there are people who are saying like this, you know, this isn't country. This shouldn't be played. This shouldn't be allowed. There's people who are saying, I like the song. I like Beyonce, but this isn't country. It shouldn't be country. There's people who are saying this is country. Like people have very strong feelings about this. And unfortunately, Maybe some of it is centered around race, but I would say majority isn't. Majority of it is just like, is this country or not? Yeah, some of the comments online, like I will say, are definitely racist undertones. And like, you know, she shouldn't like have her roots in country. And I actually feel like uh, Bobby Bones really like did a whole thing about it. And I feel like what he said was so good and like true, like, if you go back to the root of country music, like it absolutely has its roots in black communities. And so some of the things that uh, Bobby Bones said is it is hypocritical if you say like you're excited about Post Malone going country, but you're not excited about Beyonce being country. Or if you're like one artist can't like change their mind, like he mentioned that uh, Kenny Rogers had a full fledged career before he became country like mainstream. And so like lots of people change their mind. Like it even reminds me of like when Taylor Swift put out her first country album and people were like, this isn't country. And then when she went pop, they were like, she's not pop. Like, I don't know that artists can ever win when they go back and forth. And so I just think, I don't know. I just really liked how Bobby Bones had worded it. Yeah. So, so many things I want to say there. Um, I was actually reading an interesting article 
that I came across through this whole, you know, research that was titled Black Artists Help Build Country Music and Then It Left Them Behind. And it was talking about like the banjo's role in music and they were tracing back some of like the melodies and different things to Africa and the inspiration like a lot of historical country figures took from black performers at the time. It was a really interesting article to read. And going to your point, I had so many notes about the controversy of, you know, artists being in certain boxes. I did not realize, and I should have at the time, I don't know why I didn't pay attention to this, but little um, Lil Nas's uh, Old Town Road was also extremely controversial um, in 2019. They said that was not country. Uh, going back before that, you have, uh, you know, so many different examples of where the country music has like gate kept, as you said, maybe more pop influenced sounds. Um, but then you'll also have people like Florida Georgia Line and Sam Hunt and like Kane Brown, a lot of people who are doing country that are pop and vice versa, like Jelly Roll. He came in, he had the rock career before, and now he's like seen as being part of country. And so I don't know. I was also reading an article that like Willie Nelson did reggae. And I don't know. I mean, it's just like, It's so interesting that we have such strong feelings about artists being in a certain genre when they take, I feel like, probably inspiration and influence from so many different areas. I was actually reading a really interesting article about T-Pain. Like, I did not think T-Pain would be in this article (laughs) or like in this conversation, but he was because he was actually talking about how he has written and co-written so many country songs but he will leave his name off of the title because he gets racist backlash from it. And he said, eventually it got to the point where I was like, nah, man, I don't want my name on the title. I just want the money. And I thought that was absolutely crazy. He was quoted as saying that country music is where he gets all of his harmonies, country and gospel music. And I, and I like that rings true to me. And so I just wonder, like my big question out of all of this is like, what is the board of Academy? I think that's what they're called. They're the ones who make decisions about, like, I think where a song goes and like how you can get voted. So like, you know, country artist of the year, country album of the year, I think it goes through like this board of Academy. What is their criteria for different songs? Because one thing we haven't talked about yet, Beyonce created a country song in 2016. She put it in for nomination and it got kicked out. I actually love that song. I think it's total country. I love it. I think it would have done well. I think it would have like, taken home awards in the country if it made it into the country album. And so I'm just so curious, like, what is the criteria? What are they voting on? Is there like technicalities that we as lay people don't understand about music? I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot of conversation about that. And it was like, well, if Luke Bryan falls in the category of being like, or Florida Georgia Line or some of the other ones of being country, like, Obviously, the criteria is like pretty loose. So what is that criteria? And I actually think it's interesting because this song will appear in an upcoming album that's referred to as Act Two. It is a part of a three volume project that Beyonce is doing that music critics have said is about reclaiming black roots in popular music. So going back to what you said, it like that is the entire point of this album. So it's not that surprising that she would include country songs and have it feel like very authentic to like the roots of of black country music well and knowing that history of the 2016 debacle i mean because she performed that song daddy lesson one of the things that's bothered me about what people are saying is that beyonce is capitalizing off of western culture right now like oh beyonce's just doing it because country is cool beyonce's trying to cash in i'm like absolutely not beyonce's too big for that but going back to the history of 2016 i think she got really pissed off in 2016 and said i'll show them like there are roots of like my you know history my past in country music 
I'm going to create a whole damn animal around him. And I think that's what she did. I think it took a long time for her to take it out. But I think she's been stewing around a country album for years. And so the people that are saying like, oh, Beyonce is just capitalizing off Western culture now and Yellowstone culture and all this thing. I'm like, oh, uh-uh. that is one thing going around that I do not agree with. I completely agree. I'm like, she is from Texas. And I'm not saying that you like just because you're from Texas that it makes you country. But like. I don't know. I it, Okay, you're going to laugh at me. But like I saw a comment online that was like, Kid Rock is a white rapper from Detroit and people loved him in country music. Like how is a person from Texas singing about country music, not country, right? Like it's just an or Jelly Roll who was a rapper and now is in country music. Like why can't people change genres? And I think for me, it goes to like music is constantly evolving, changing. And like this entire conversation, like music is so subjective. I personally like like rock country that lots of people probably wouldn't even consider country and like people like a whole spectrum. Like this is not that deep. Like if you don't like the song, don't listen to it. There's country music is such a wide genre at this point. Like I just think people are making too big of a deal out of this. I just feel like it. there's so many layers of this and that's where I'm like, I get where people are coming from. But at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't apply across the board. Like we have so many mainstream country music artists that probably know nothing about production agriculture. Why is it different for Beyonce? No, it's such an interesting point because I was thinking about how I have worn Vans forever and I like I don't skateboard. I can't You're like I've never on gone a on a skateboard. skateboard or a surfboard in my life, right? Like that is exactly what I think it means to me. And I do think that we need to get our shit together though as an industry because I don't think this is a good look for agriculture, Western, totally. rodeo. Like I do think it makes us seem like we are major gatekeepers. It makes us seem very off-putting and when we're already distanced from like we're already two percent of the population and we put out these kind of you know barriers I don't think it's a good look for us and two things on this that I think are important this will not be the end of it like we have seen that Lana Del Rey is going to be putting out a country album Post Malone is coming over uh Saza how do you say her name SZA SZA is what she goes by but she's been dropping hints that I'm like is she going to be doing a country album Mm -hmm. Like, this is not going to be the first kind of, you know, quote unquote, not country person that I think is going to be like transitioning and putting out country music. And I also think it's really important to note, ag lacks diversity and the Western industry lacks diversity enough as it is. So when we are gatekeeping further diversity, again, it is just not a good look for us. And I actually wanted to bring this up when we were talking about Farmer Wants a Wife last week, because I'm like, I think this show is going to get heated because of the lack of diversity. And so I just think we need to be, as an industry, a little bit more aware of how undiverse we are and the way we are like taking opportunities to increase our diversity and how that is like presenting ourselves as an industry as a whole. I completely agree. And I think now would be a good time for like the discos to weigh in. You guys have been, we have a reel out with this and you guys have been commenting and sending in DMs, but I want to continue this conversation um, over there on Instagram. So go give our Instagram page a follow, check out our stories for this week and give your opinion and weigh in on this conversation. Uh, The last thing I'll say is that uh, Beyonce does have an image on Spotify in all silver. She's in a disco cowgirl hat. She's just slathered in silver. So I think it's clear, you guys, that Beyonce is a disco. She got the disco memo, which I think is just outstanding for the Discover community. On that note, you guys have a fabulous Thursday. We will see you guys next week. 
This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials. Hi, Emily here, host of the Sideline Edit Sports Podcast. And this is not your typical boyfriend sports podcast, but rather a space where I curate and break down what's trending in the world of sports on and off the field. Every week, I leave you with just the right amount of information so that you can join in on any sports conversation. You'll know what the big game of the week was, what event to be on the lookout for next, what team is hot, who had the best game day fit, because trust me, the fashion is elite, and I'll just fill you in on who some of these main characters are. Tune in as I weave together sports, pop culture, and everything in between, because I truly think sports are the best reality TV out there. Check out the Sideline Edit podcast every Monday for a weekend recap. See you there.